Hey everybody, this is Sean Flanders. This is my leadership keynote. You know, I've been given this sometimes, but it's all been behind closed doors really with no audio visual because of the job I do and the, the company I work for. And I wanna get it out here. I think people need to hear it. You see me on social all the time talking about leadership. So I'm gonna give you my keynote speech and you're gonna find out a lot of it. Uh, and a lot of my philosophy has to do with past management I had. Uh, and I'm going to give you some examples uh, when I was in the Air Marshal Service and when I was uh, my previous employer, Northrop. So, uh, you know, I, before we get started, I do want to thank my parents because they're the ones that shape my mind. You know, I have my own opinions, but they always taught me I'm no better than anybody else. They're no better than me. It doesn't matter what your title is, and that's kind of how I lead. So let's get right into it. It was September 11th, 9-11. Everybody, I'm sure, remembers that day very well. I remember getting up. I had a 9 o'clock class in the morning at OU. It was a social stats class. I remember the professor. His name was Grasmick. The reason I remember is because in his class, if you went to class every day and took the quiz at the back of the book, then the, the lowest you'd ever get is a C. So I made sure to go to his class. Uh, so I got up, I let the dog outside, and I looked up. I was like, man, this is a beautiful day out. I remember not a cloud in the sky. And uh, started eating breakfast, and I got a phone call with my mom. She works for Customs, so she was at work. And I pick up the phone, start talking to her, and she said, yeah, I heard a, a plane flew into the World Trade Center. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, and I turned on the news. And we started talking about it, and about the same time, we both saw the second plane fly into the uh, other building. And right then and there, I knew that all our lives would be changed forever. And hung up the phone, went to school, class, came back, turned on the news, wall-to-wall -wall coverage, saw the buildings fall, all the people that died. And it was just tragic. And just like many Americans, I felt angry. And I was going to do something for this country to help and have those people never fly planes on our buildings again. So I had about a year and a half left of school. And what I did was I started applying to every agency possible, FBI, ATF, DEA, you name it, I applied for it. And after I got out of school for about a year or so, I had these interviews I would get, Secret Service, uh, CBP, ICE, and if anybody knows, the hiring process for government sometimes takes forever. And while I was waiting, seeing if I got called back to any of them, uh, my mom called me one day and said, hey, one of their agents, she works for Custom Border Protection, and uh, one of their agents called and said, hey, if your son's still looking for a job, the Air Marshal Service was hiring. And I thought, all right, Air Marshal Service, undercover cop on a plane, make sure Keep it on hijack, fly you know, the planes and the buildings. I'm in. So I filled an application. And as long as it usually takes, I took the uh, application online, turned it in, received a call, was in Dallas a week and a half later, got a contingency offer that day, and was in New York City three and a half weeks later. That's how quick that was done. It's crazy. So I get to New York City and... My mom was from Irvington, New Jersey. My dad was from Brooklyn, New York. So I was familiar with the area. And I always wanted to work there. I was like, yeah, New York City, it's great. We always used to visit there, and I loved it. And 
So I get to the field office. I walk into the field office and start meeting other recruits. This was class 601. So start meeting other recruits, introduce myself. While we're doing that, the assistant special agent in charge, his last name was Ball, uh, walked us in and said, hey, y'all need to come in this conference room. So we walked into the conference room. And without even meeting this gentleman, somebody was sitting at the head of the table already. And uh, the dude that came and got us said, hey, this is, uh, this is a special agent in charge, Jimenez. Uh, he's in charge here. He wants to talk to y'all. Well, apparently, there was some uh, there were some rumors going around that uh, people that were interviewed in certain places were promised uh, certain things at their interviews. So he wanted us to go around the room and say what our names were, where we were uh, interviewed at, and what we were promised. And of course, who was going to say anything if they were promised anything? Uh, so everybody ran around the room and said their piece. I said, my name is Sean Flanders. He's interviewing in Dallas, and I wasn't promised anything. And when I was in, tell you the truth, when I was in Dallas, I thought that'd be great. It was not that far from Oklahoma City where I grew up, a couple hours, and that would be a great place to be. So at the interview, they did tell me, you, if we hire you, you're either going to have to go to D.C. or New York City for a little bit. And then, you know, we'd love to have you back here. But I didn't say that. But everybody went around the room, didn't say a word about being promised anything. So after everybody did that, this guy that we never met, that was the first day, says, well, let me tell you something. This is my office. The New York field office is my office. I don't know what you were promised. Everybody says nothing. But if you were promised anything, you can forget about it. Because you're going to be here in the New York field office for a minimum of five years. And if you don't like it, you can go flip burgers at Burger King. I shit you not. That's what this guy said that none of us really ever met before. Except when he was sitting in the room and his crony there introduced him as this is Felix or his name is Felix Jimenez. But... This is Mr. Menes, and he's the special agent in charge here. So he was a big dog. And that right there just totally rubbed me the wrong way and, and, and put a bad taste in my mouth from the beginning because that is a person of authority. That is not a person that has any leadership skills, that cares to be a leader. It's just I'm going to throw, throw around my authority and get what I need done. And that's just, it, it just stuck in my crawl. So, uh, I, I was, did a little air marshal stuff for a little while, and then uh, I moved back to Oklahoma, and I started working for Northrop, and I was grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I kind of did like a career switch, so they gave me a chance, and there was good people there, so, you know, I was grateful. But as I went along there, I kind of got the corporate America a sour taste that people do. You know, my work ethic has always been go perform, do your best, no matter what the circumstances. Just like when I played sports my whole life and had coaches that were, you know, on your butt and and yelled. And I, I just, I never had an issue with that. I just went out and, tried, you know, did my best. So same thing in, in corporate America. I just worked, worked my butt off and tried to do my best. But I saw over time that 
you know, it's all about the dollar. They really don't care about you. There's some that do, but mostly not. And one example is uh, I kind of switched. I started getting more responsibilities at Northrop, and I became uh, a project manager. And during that time, they were often offering uh, an aerospace project management course uh, that somebody would come out and teach. It would be about six months. You'd do it on the weekends. And so I signed up. And I completed it, did a good job. And at the end of that, there was a banquet dinner. So this banquet dinner, everybody went, you took your spouse and it was all paid for. And you got, you know, a certificate and they shook your hand and your senior management was there. Well, I went there and I saw one of my senior managers that he, even though he worked at a different building, I still, matter of fact, oh, about a month before that dinner, I picked him up. My boss asked me to go get him and bring him on the base, uh, Tinker Air Force Base, to do all hands meeting. So I met him a couple times, seen him around. But I got my certificate that day, shook the hands of the instructors, walked back. He didn't even stand up. He did not know that I was even on his team. He saw me. He nodded his head as I walked by. And I was just like, are you kidding me? What kind of management, like, I'm just, I believe in people. I believe people run the organization and make you look good. So it it's hard to stomach when you have management that doesn't even know who works for them. So those two examples that I just gave you, my air marshal days and when I worked at Northrop, that that rubbed me the wrong way. And it was just one of those things that if I ever become uh, part of management, I'm going to really lead people because these folks, they didn't lead people. And, you know, I, I, I just have a trouble because I see that a lot nowadays. And, you know, some people ask, how would you handle the situation differently? And I said, well, Okay, I'll give you the air marshal uh, example. If I heard rumors about different things and I had a new class come in, I would sit them down. That's fine. Get them in a room, sit them down. And I would be like, guys, I understand there might be some stuff going around uh, about people being promised, you know, coming here just for a short time and then transferring. But, you know, guys, this is New York City. This is the Mecca. You know, those people, those terrorists flew the planes and knocked down our buildings, you know, if you're here, I hope you take pride like I do, and I need you here, uh, you know, as long as you can. You know, it's probably going to be about five years before we open up transfers, and I just hope that you give it your best and help us to, you know, to succeed, in, you know, in keeping everybody safe, America safe. And, you know, I thank you for being here and, and choosing the Air Marshal Service, and if I can help in any way or your supervisors, just let us know. That is leadership. That That right there. Why can't you handle that situation like that? And you know why? Because it's laziness. It is so much easier for people to throw around their power than it is for them to put effort to appreciate and power their people and build relationships. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad, but that's what happens nowadays. And in my other example at Northrop, if I'm a senior manager that I have people that I'm, that are under me and maybe I don't know everybody, 
because, you know, sometimes as you go up the chain, you got more people, but you really, they're not really direct reports. You know, you can't go to like my manager at the time, Bob, say, hey, Bob, can you give me a list of names or or the pictures or somebody that who I should be on the lookout for tonight? You know, the, um, you, know you know, they invited us senior managers to the uh, uh, this dinner. And I just want to know, who, you know, who works for you that got us, you know, that's going to be there. So I should know or better yet. I'm going to give this to you to go to. I know that I'm the senior, the senior manager or the director or whatever, but I'm going to let you go because they're your people. What's wrong with that? But no, you got to go there and you got to put a bad taste in people's mouth because you don't even know who works for you or why you're even there. And again, it takes, to me, it takes little effort to build relationships with your people. It takes little effort to say and stuff that I came up with before, tag. It's called tag leadership. And it's called tag because T-A-G is thank you, appreciate it, good job. That right there, the little effort that it takes every Friday for me to go up and I shake hands with first shift, second shift, and let them know I appreciate the job they did. Yeah, I know it's their job to come to work and do work, but they do a good job and I let them know. So yes, I took all those experiences now that I work for another con- uh, defense contractor uh, and I'm a, uh, on the leadership team, manage a group in logistics. I'm grateful for that opportunity. I take it as a, a privilege to be there. I take it as a duty to help empower and make a difference in people's lives. And that's what it's about to me is making a difference. You know, <clears throat> the difference I see too and people that throw around authority and get things done, trying to meet a number, and people that really care is called vertical and horizontal leadership. Horizontal leadership is just what those folks did that rubbed me the wrong way. They're people that use authority. They walk over people to get to where they want. They don't care what uh, they have to do. There's a number at the end. They're going to get there. But they do nothing to help accomplish, uh, help people accomplish their goals, and they really don't care what you do after they're gone. They're just they're just basically trying to. When I call horizontal, what I think of is people on their hands and knees, building a bridge for you to basically you're walking on their back to get to the end, and you're like, all right, thank you, see you later. Whereas in vertical leadership, it's like a ladder. Everybody's climbing. You're holding the side. They climb. They hold the sides for you. You climb. You help each other grow. Pull pull your people up. Let their success become your success. Because at the end of the day, if you leave a lasting impression on them, and, you know, I always think this, I hope the good people and that I can help in my organization move on. I hope they don't work for me forever. I hope they move on. And the ones that are wanting to retire, I hope that I can make the difference now until they retire and help them, help them to any goals they have. And that's what I tell them each and every day. You know, we, we I built a relationship for the first six months when I was at, in this new job. For six months, I didn't say anything on social media. I didn't do anything except built a relationship because these ideas I had, I wanted to see if they worked. And they did. And I changed the organization, the whole dynamic in six months using the tag philosophy. And like I said, I go to these people. 
and I say, what are your goals? What do you want to do? How can I help you? Because if they leave, guess what? They say, hey, man, they tell other people that Sean's a guy that you want to work for. The logistics organization, you need to work for them. And I build my own pipeline of great talent. And I don't see, well, I do see because it's an ego thing, but how others, you know, they want to make sure that they're the head lead dog and and they're out there and they made the numbers and it's great and it's because of them and they walk on people and they use intimidation and fear to get the job done, all that. It comes down to laziness. It's easier to do that than to build the relationship, take the time like I did. But I implore leaders, if you're truly a leader, because I, in my core, believe there's a difference between leadership and management. Management, I look at as an authority given to you. Or, you know, know, hey, here's your title. You're a manager. You have authority. You can get things done. You can tell people, hey, it's your job. I'm your boss. Do it. That's easy. But the effort it takes... It's not even that much effort. It's just caring and being a decent freaking human being. And that's what I strive to, strive to do each and every day. I, you know, I talk to these people and a lot, you know, 90% of people agree with me. The problem is, is they don't want to put in the work just like anything to make it great. You got to put in work. And I just feel that, you know, I create great people. They move on. I get a backlog. They tell people word of mouth spreads. You know, my company and a lot of people talk about retaining top talent. And if you want to do that, it's by helping the people you have grow, help them get to where they want to go. And then they tell others, you got new applicants that come in that they refer. And it's just a pipeline and it makes everything go. It's that positive impact that you can make each and every day. And that's why I feel blessed. I don't look at it as just a job to provide for my family. I'm thankful for it, but I want to make a difference. You know, guys, it's all about just being grateful, not thinking you're better than people. And don't use your title as power. Use it as making a difference. And I thank you for listening today, and I appreciate it. And I started with 9-11, and I'm going to end with it. Those poor business people, most of them, you know, work down there, it was business stuff, uh, perished by doing a job that they probably love to do, most of them. And a lot of them made a lot of money. But do you think that day, and I hope most of them went to heaven, but do you think when that long line of those innocent folks were standing there at the gates and St. Peter was getting information from them, do you think God asked St. Pete, hey, Let me know what their bank account says. No, they probably said, what difference did you make? So I ask you, when your day comes and you're up there and they ask you, what difference do you make? Are you going to say, well, I supported my family. I did great. They're going to say, that's good. What else did you do? I gave you, God's going to say, I gave you a gift. I gave you an opportunity to manage people, to to help them grow. I gave you a manage a, a, a position that you were in charge and you can make a difference. What did you do? What are you going to tell them? You're going to tell them, well, uh, I met a number all the time. I got bonuses. My bosses, upper management, love me. Or are you going to say, you know what? Even though I did all that, I helped people grow. 
I empowered people. I raised people up to other levels that they wanted to go to. I let their success become my success. I didn't walk on people. I made a difference. And I thank you, Lord, for giving me that opportunity each and every day. So I want to know that day comes because we never know. It could be sudden. It could be tomorrow. What are you going to be able to say that you just manage people, use your authority to get what you want, or did you truly lead people? I appreciate it. Thank you very much.